Author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. Donald Jeffries here with you. So I am every Friday at this time, coming to you just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., uh, I'm supposed to have, um, I thought was a pretty cool guest, Dr. Paul Alexander, but you know how that happens with the show sometimes. Uh, I've not heard from him. I didn't get an email back uh, for his uh, reminder prompt for the interview. So it was set up for me through uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who's a good friend of her. So uh, hopefully we'll, uh, and if you're just setting up the rock fin over here as well. Using two computers, I'm getting smart so it doesn't slow it down. Um, but we're going to have our friend Charlie Robinson on at least by 6 o'clock. Maybe he'll come out a little early if we need him. So uh, we'll have that. And I've also sent out an emergency. Uh, Tony sent an emergency StreamYard link to our, uh, our ace in the hole, Chris Graves. So he may be here as well. Until then, we'll just go on and uh, we'll just kind of go over the thing. Lots of stuff going on. Hello, Felix. Hello, John Lawler. Hello, Chris Buckin. <laughs> and, um, and again, nobody says YouTube is getting much more action than Rockfin. So I hope the Rockfin chat heats up over here. So I hope we'll see people over there in Rockfin. Uh, big news for me this week is that um, if you follow me on social media, you probably know because I'm promoting as much as I can. But of course, with being shadow banned on, on Facebook and Twitter both, Makes it a little difficult, but um, I was approved by uh, Bandot Video to have uh, these shows I protest go up on there. So that's going to grow this audience quite a bit. Uh, you know, obviously Alex Jones has a huge audience, and despite what anybody thinks of him, uh, this is a you know a great opportunity to make our audience bigger. So that's going to be very nice that uh, the I protest shows will be up on band.video. And uh, thanks to Charlie Robinson for that. He helped facilitate that because he, he was the first one to get on there and uh, he was kind enough to kind of uh, crack the door open for me. So he'll be here later, um, at least by six. So still hoping that Paul Alexander is here, but um, we, uh, boy, it's just been so much madness, hasn't it? The, uh, the January 6th thing, I guess, you know, I think we talked about it last week, but um Lots of inter you know interesting stuff going on there because we have and I don't know anybody out in the audience that uh, yeah I still see nobody in the Rockfin chat room that's very weird but uh, here comes my dog okay stay over there Riley one of these days she's gonna get and I'll, I'll try to get her but she's uh, she's a little too uh, high strung <clears throat> to come on camera she always goes just off camera and bothers me but. Um, Obviously, you know, we talked a lot about Tucker Carlson, but I thought it was uh, his groundbreaking coverage of that when he showed that that Monday show a couple of weeks was just unbelievable. That was, I said at the time, that's the most, um, I think, the best investigative journalism I've ever seen on uh, a mainstream network. And it just completely destroyed the official narrative, despite what all the people that want to believe this insurrection and they really the insurrectionist narrative is dumber if if such a thing is possible is dumber than the russia russia narrative russia 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 narrative i mean they're they're close 
They're very close. But, uh, and hey, if you're over in Rockford, if you're liking, please hit the, uh, you know, as they say, smash the like button. We're not getting enough likes over there. So uh, you can do that for me, please. And uh, and Harlan said he got the YouTube notification in their phone. Yeah, people's been saying on Facebook that it's been getting notifications a little bit uh, earlier now, again, which is a good thing. That's nice. We, uh, But still, you know, it's still... I think I when I um, when I shared the news on Facebook about uh, this show going to Bandot Video to be archived there, I think twenty some people maybe, but that's that's nothing. That's that's a shadow. I have five thousand friends there. That's ridiculous. Should have been hundreds. Um, Twitter about the same twenty some, and that you know again that's pretty disappointing. Oh, that's great. Chris Bucken got you guys. Chris Bucken was the winner of the uh, the giveaway for uh, Steve O'Baney's book, Who Murdered uh, Diana. So good. Hope you'll enjoy that. And uh, we had the little contest there. Stephanie Green is over there and she said she feels so alone. And I, I know where are all the people, where, where is the, uh, <laughs> where are the regulars over there? I don't know. And John, I thank you, John, little John. I guess that's the love the shirt again. I, 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 you know, I can always count on you. Nobody else says, of course, this is a St. Patrick's special. I had to find something with green in it. Uh, not quite as festive. You know, I know you're a little John. That's great. Uh, not quite as festive as my wife. My wife is the most festive person I've ever seen. And she just went out to the store with a, like a <laughs> dress. She did, at least she didn't have a ridiculous hat on, but she did have like a really St. Patrick's Day scarf around her and everything. So uh, <clears throat> I have a little of that. So it's it's nice to have the, uh, to be, and of course in the, in the old days, I would have been drinking green beer. Remember the days of green beer? Right? Are they, they have that anymore? I'm not sure. Maybe they don't allow that anymore, but um, they used to be fun. And of course I'm half, I'm, more, I'm half Irish and half English. I think mostly Irish and English, but my heart is with the Irish, obviously, you know, I mean, the, the English, I, I probably have more English in me, but uh, the Irish, I consider my people. So I, uh, I think they've been mistreated by the, the English is, uh, you know, my, one of my musical heroes, uh, John Lennon said, uh, you know, if you had the luck of the Irish, it's a great song. If you haven't heard it, fantastic little ode to the plight of the Irish over the years. Oh, and I see Dr. Paul Alexander. Here he is. There he is. Okay. Dr. Dr. Alexander, how are you? Hey, not bad. I'm trying to take off my uh, phone because. Great. Okay, I was I, I was uh, hoping you'd make it. Uh, let me introduce Paul Alexander. Dr. Paul Alexander is an expert on COVID nineteen. He currently works with technically supports several international COVID nineteen research groups in the USA, Canada, and elsewhere. He worked uh, in, the, in the Trump administration as a pandemic uh, evidence synthesis advisor to the WHO. Uh, he's got a you know, tr tremendously impressive background. He's uh, one of many, obviously, that has come to a much more uh, educated conclusion than someone like me would be that uh, there's a lot of uh, questions about this. Dr. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, is it uh, Dr. Jeffries, Mr. Jeffries, or Donald? No, it's just Donald Jeffries. I'm no doctor. I'm Donald Jeffries. <laughs> I'm a community college dropout, let me tell you so. <laughs> but uh, I'm just well-read. <laughs> but uh, it's it's great to have you on the show. You came highly recommended from Sherry Tenpenny. I've heard of you. So um, 
let's let's go back when you were working uh, in the Trump administration. At what point did you see? Because obviously this this whole COVID narrative started during the Trump years. At at what point did you did you from the very beginning did you see something that didn't seem right to you there? Or what what tell your experiences when you were working in the Trump administration? But I mean, that's that's a, such a that question I could talk about like for hours and stuff a day. But I mean, do you mean to this? First of all, thanks for having me. And uh, yes, my background is in uh, epidemiology and infectious diseases, etc. But I mean, the public, <clears throat> the public today is probably more informed and think more critically than the typical doctor or scientist. So, so I look towards the public now for even more information than even credible scientists. Um, I did work in the Trump administration. I was working for the World Health Organization at the same time. Um, and uh, I resigned the position in World Health. My position was in pandemic, also COVID, uh, when it began. So I was working at PAHO. So I had, I had the ability and the opportunity to see COVID from different points of view, from a highly bureaucratic, technocratic place like World Health and Pan American Health. To a very governmental place like um, the Trump, the Trump administration, and what was interesting is that my job was at Health and Human Services, which is the umbrella agency for CDC, NIH, uh, FDA, etc. And um, Health and Human Services is situated just opposite the Capitol, and because of the pandemic. <clears throat> many of these agencies, they, they have their own campuses across America. So like the CDC in Atlanta, um, in Virginia, Maryland, there's uh, the FDA. Um, but they were operating sub-offices within the Health and Human Services building. So they had quick access to the Capitol building for hearings and for those task force meetings daily at the White House or even at the HHS. So all of that to say that um, <clears throat> I had the opportunity of meeting the task force people and working with them uh, across time. So like Dr. Redfield, Dr. Hahn, they all had offices in my building and they spent a lot of time in my boss's offices. So the good news for that was that for me, I had access to them <clears throat> and sat in meetings. And, you know, there'd be a lot of things that I can't speak about. Uh, but for, for the public's, from the public's point of view, I think the important issues is this. One, <clears throat> Operation Warp Speed on the seventh floor of the building that I worked in, my office was on the sixth, was largely a military operation in the sense that HHS and uh, FDA, et cetera, were the front face and you would see those people talking. But the military had a heavy, heavy role in running Operation Warp Speed. And uh, I'm not saying it from a negative point of view. I knew that the military's role was also very integral in the distribution of the coming vaccine. Because remember, <clears throat> Trump left office in uh, January of 2021, and the vaccine had not been rolled out yet. But they were very uh, important in trying to arrange 
how this was going to happen. And uh, <clears throat> what I realized is that, I mean, there is really a deep state in the United States government. And depending on the administration, the deep state operates. Um, the deep state really runs the government. I can say that from being there. Deep state people are a combination of 30-year bureaucrats in CDC, NIH, and those places. And um, some good. And from my point of view, people who work against the United States, because it was told to me in simple language that, you know, a president only visits here. We, we run the country. And from that point of view, Trump was like persona non grata. And uh, you could say figuratively, um, dead on arrival, in the sense that there was nothing that he could have done, absent of COVID even. I mean, you saw the first three years of his presidency, he was held, where he got any cooperation or any help. They did everything to subserve and undercut him and to make him look irrelevant and make him look suboptimal. When in fact he was doing a lot of good things for America that the media was just not even covering. Um, so during the pandemic, you would think, you would think, especially since these health agencies were given sub offices in health and human services, so had direct access to him and capital, that they would be working with him. And that when you saw them, they would be working with him for the pandemic response. And that was not. That was far from the fact. Um, when you saw President Trump and you saw that task force on state, except for when Scott Atlas came along, these people were working against President Trump. They, they were at least neutral or against him. They were not working with him or for him, which they should have been, or the American people. And um, it, became, it became evident to me. I mean, look, Deborah Burks, who was one of the architects of the lockdowns with Fauci said in her book that, which I think, um, I don't understand how come she's not being, she's not investigated and dealt with, um, questioned, etc. on the roof mm -hmm. properly now by the house. Um, she said that um, they undercut President Trump. She's, she ensured that she did not work with the yes. administration. Yeah. She slow walked stuff, didn't give them data. I mean, this was in the pandemic where her expertise was needed. So I think from your viewer's point of view, this is how I sum it up. From President Trump's point of view, as the CEO of the country, and depending on his counsel, depending on them as a scientist, to be his advisor, his advisors for his decision-making, he assumed, rightly so, rightly so, that that they were being honest in good faith and giving them making decisions that were effective and safe for the public because he must assume so if these people work and report to him but so he was then making decisions based on what they were advising him but the decisions they were making were not the optimal decisions for the united states An example is when Fauci and Burks went into to the office and they wrote that we knew that all we needed to do was to get Trump to bite for the two weeks. 
bend the curve. But we knew once he agreed, they don't they weren't gonna open back the society. They've stated that. President Trump didn't know that. When President Trump agreed to give them two weeks to bend the curve, in his mind, that's what was gonna happen. And then we go back to normal. If you remember, he went on the podium and he said, you know, by Easter, yes, we will be yes. back to normal. Blah, blah, blah. Because he really thought that they had their arms around the situation. They knew what they were doing. And when they told him A, it meant A. He did not understand that when they told him A, it was they meant B. And that they were running a shallow response separate to him. And um, he was never going to get his way. And what, what, what was the result? The result is that the lockdowns hurt, devastatingly hurt America. The lockdowns and school closures killed people. Well, yeah, and that, but that, that, I think that was the most amazing part of the whole Trump thing is that he he appeared mostly, and I, I'm going to have my book coming out, Masking the Truth, very soon, and I talk all about the, 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 the kind of the maddening uh, statements of Trump and actions because Trump Trump it, did appear to be against all of, he he appeared to be by himself to be uh, working uh, he he thought I, clearly he most of the time he gave the impression he thought the lockdown was unnecessary the mask growing was excessive and all that but yet he just he didn't seem to be able to get anything done. and why do you think what most people have a problem with Trump at this point is that he embraced the vaccines and why do you think he's still doing that when probably I would guess 90 plus percent of his supporters are obviously distrustful of the vaccines and know they've caused a lot of harm. Why do you think Trump is just, is it pride that he just won't, he won't back off from claiming credit for something that's, you know, doesn't look too good at this point? Well, I mean, I mean, it's, that's probably one of the most important questions right now. And, uh, so let me, let me, um, let me answer it in two parts. The first part is you need to step back and first of all, I'm not having a conversation where I'm, I'm uh, protecting President Trump or, or, um, or uh, uh, oblivious to what we still face today. I'm just trying to say the way I look at it. Sure. Think about his situation. Here you're in January 2020. All of the polls showing that you're going to be reelected handsomely. You couldn't be primary. And no Democrat could have defeated you, even Biden, at that point. And here you have these people present to you a virus that I've already started to explain to the public that I believe firmly was circulating at least one year to two years before. In other words, we had COVID circulating in the population, initial uh, strains in a very low-level benign virus that, that, that people were being exposed to becoming infected, becoming immune largely because it was benign. They may have been the elderly person who was immune, who was compromised because of medical conditions, just like a common cold and other influenza-like illnesses succumb. People over 85 with medical vulnerable. And just like how tonight when we go to bed in many of the nursing homes and assisted living community buildings and hospitals, Many of our elderly parents and grandparents would pass away because they've gotten pneumonia. And it's just a fact of life. At this stage in medicine and science, they would pass away. There's nothing you can do about it. That's it. I'm saying that they were captured there and that um, 
this virus was circulating and we just didn't know because we weren't looking for it. And actually what we detected in February, 2020 was a virus, was, was, was a pathogen that was already circulating. We detected it officially in February, 2020, but it was not novel. It was always there and we used, they used it to undercut President Trump. Many different players. So in trying to answer your question, think about it from his point of view. Burks and Fauci comes to his office and say, we, we, are, we are going to shut the country down. Now we are. We recommend that we, sh we lock the country. We do a lockdown. So I'm just paraphrasing quickly. President Trump, not a scientist, if it was me, knowing what I've just lived for three years with the deep state and the media, etc., knowing that these people are in the news and knowing that they've been recommended to me to run this pandemic response, because this was not President Trump's choice. You know, Pence had a role in it. Other people had a role in it. So, and he's not a scientist, so he's going with what people are telling him. These are the people that will get the country out of it. So think about it from his point of view. So he's probably in the back of his mind, if it was me, to say, crap, if I run these people out of this office and tell them, get the hell out of here and whoever come back in my in the Oval Office, don't try and see me, you're a bunch of crackpots. Because, you know, um, I've been reading a lot about lockdowns, blah, 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 and I understand this is probably a, something that we could manage with, with proper medical treatment, with care, you know, etc. He probably realized that if he tells them no, we're doing it my way because his initial gut instinct was no lockdowns, etc. He knew he would have gone then have to face a hostile press, and there was no telling what they would say to him about him and that he was a lunatic, he was a madman, this non-doctor, non-scientist is rejecting the uh council of Fauci, Dr. Fauci from NIH and NIAID, blah blah blah. So he had a fine needle to tread, that needle being he's facing this thing, this pandemic, this fraud pandemic, because I'm saying it never was a pandemic, in an election year where, as he's sitting there, he's going to win nearly 400 electoral votes based on what the internal polls were showing. Now he has to think, so they're asking me to shut down the best economy in the world, 3.4 unemployment, right? So he had to make that decision. So at that point, he's thinking, they had already written this. They've said this in interviews today, that when they went to see him, they already knew in their mind that it was never going to be two weeks. So they're lying to him out of the gate. So now he's making a decision on two weeks, thinking, you know what? You know, I don't want to get into a battle in the media. These people probably know what they're saying. Um, Let's do the two weeks. But they knew, they've written this today, that that was just to get him to bite, that they, they were not going. That's why they began to come repeatedly. Oh, we need two weeks more. No, we need 30 days. No, we need 45 more days, etc., etc. So he was on the cut right there. And with that needle that he was trying to tread, think about it, that... Once they come to lockdown, how could have he come? This is, this is how I try to explain to people. Think it was yourself now. You lock the country down on advice from them. 
then you realizing there's a whole load of crock. This is garbage and this is BS and they and right. they're undercutting me and they're destroying the country. I destroy the, the, the economy because we already were getting information and modeling and, and the White House already got this information from us. When I was there, I remember we were sending the information there that for every 1% unemployment, the suicide rate would go up about 1.3%. And that's what the best data was showing us. So we went from 3.4% unemployment to over 20-something percent unemployment instantly. So, so everybody was concerned about the suicides within the country because that's what the data was showing. That was the risk. So President Trump knew that he had to get this thing back open almost instantly. So he was trying to reopen the, the society, I can tell you, almost instantly. How could have he do? This is what I want to ask you. How could have he come to the public and say, public, I think these people are a load of crap. This Fauci and Burks and all these Han and all of these people selling us down the river. So that's it. I'm firing all of them. And I go yeah. hope the country back. Then you would even think he was a bigger lunatic because then you would say, well, what the hell is this? These people are the doctors and scientists. Trump is not a scientist. Trump is not a doctor. How could he agree with them in the beginning? And now he's telling us he's not agreeing with them. He's going to open the society. So that's that was the problem right there. His problem was he gave them an in and he could not get out of it at that yeah. Well, he was certainly he was certainly finding it alone. I'm wondering when you when you were uh, when when you, when you were there, did you did you ever have? Uh, I don't know what your if you had that kind of relationship. Did you ever get to communicate with him? Did did you have a way to try to uh, alert him to what was really going on so he could realize how devastating this was all going to be? The actions that his government were were taking. Well, I mean, Donald, I'll answer that question this way. I, I I'm not gonna say what my meetings were and what I was saying, who I was talking to. I, I'm just not. Because people like myself, you know, we've been dealing with the media for two, three years, and I can't just say anything that I want. Because even today, I have to take a lot of flack and damage in the media. And, I, and I'm not, I, I'll just say it this way. In the office that I worked in at the HHS and the people that I worked with, we, they had, we had direct communication to the Oval Office. And yes, people in my office was dealing directly with that office. I, um, I'll say it this way too, that we were often blocked in the sense that when my bosses who were speaking directly to like the chief of staff, and, and I'm not, I cannot say exactly who we were dealing with. When they wanted to speak, like if we had an urgent situation, and we wanted to even speak if the request came from my boss to speak to the president direct. Now, we, we would have to go through multiple layers and a lot of delay. And uh, it, was, it became clear to me that even around the president directly in the pandemic, that there were people who were preventing your access so that... Uh, for whatever reasons, and um, and uh, the president was limited in, from that point of view, and, and I and 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 I think a president gets put into a bubble 
for all kinds of security reasons, and I'm not going to pretend that um, that's not how it should operate, but I mean, um, you have so many different layers of people who are there in the White House directly for different reasons, for their own agendas. And, and, and President Trump's problem is he's he trusted. There were a lot of people around him who were working in his administration, but not necessarily in support of him. And that was the incredible thing because I sat with many of them and they would, it became clear from their conversations that they were even appointed by the Trump administration as a Trump appointee, working in the White House, but they want a supporter of President Trump. It's one thing to identify yourself as a Republican, oh, I'm a Republican. That means squat in today's world. Because if you didn't support him, if the minds weren't aligned and similar, um, there were people there who's, who, who, who just simply didn't agree with his agenda. They were there simply for a job and to advance themselves. Because normally, when you work in Washington, you work in the White House, et cetera, in some of these positions, you move on to K Street post-administration or even during the administration, and you get a nice fat salary and you set up for the rest of your life. You get to make all of your contacts and you engage in all of your business, legal and illegal, from my point of view, and you benefit yourself. So, so I think that President Trump, this is how I answer your question. My point of view, I think President Trump is the real deal. I think that this is a good man. I think this is a good human being. Because I want to get to the vaccine. Good human being, love his country, love the flag, love the constitution, um, uh, law-abiding person. I think whatever the media did said about him in the, in the beginning tarnished a lot of his image and a lot of the stuff that he did. Most of what you've heard, we've heard. I mean, I don't have to convince your audience, assuming I know who your audience is. Mm -hmm. um, this is a good person. And this person had, you see, they have people in government, even now the administration and the administrations prior to his own. They hate America. They have Democrats and even Republicans, rhinos. They hate, they hate America. In other words, if America fails and goes down the toilet, once they make money out of it, they are fine with that. They, they have no love of America. They don't love the flag. They don't love anything about it, which, which, which baffles my mind. But that's just the way it is. Here you had somebody who's a real American success story, loves the country. That's the issue. That's number one. Number two, the vaccine. Look, I mean, you couldn't take a 15-year process and boil it down into four months and say that it is safe and effective. And I believe this is a place where President Trump was snookered. He was lied to and deceived fully. Because, again, you, you're asking questions, even if you were the person sitting next to him. You're not in his head, and you're not him. So you have to speculate as to how he could have been thinking. Because no doubt, no doubt, he got information about questions about the vaccine. Not just everything was good. And he made the decision best that he thought. So think about if you were him. They're telling you that when we lock the society down, Mr. President, you can't open this back up. Don't even try. 
Because the moment you did that, we are going to go to the press and say that you, they were doing it whilst the country was locked down. Remember, we were getting CNN and MSNBC and all sorts of these crazy. The press are the greatest deranged lunatics to me. They, I, I have nothing good to say about the United States press, the Washington legacy media. To me, they're the most puerile, devastating, dangerous people in the world. And they do so much damage, even press on the right. So think about it. While I worked there, we would have meetings with Fauci teams, Fauci and they, and they would threaten us that if they didn't get their way, so if they wanted Fauci to do A, and, and my job too is, is to advise on the science and say, well, you know, that's not appropriate right now, or that message is not correct, or Dr. Fauci, you're not in line with the science. Dr. Fauci, you're wrong. What you just said there about the lockdowns or the masks are wrong. The science does not show that. So your science is wrong. And I've had these conversations. I've said it. I was at war on the inside with CDC, the teachers unions, and Fauci and the NIA. They, they hated me. They despised me because I would tell them, but Fauci doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Or Fauci was wrong. That was the war that was going that people weren't seeing. That was a daily battle. Now, Here's President Trump. With these people threatening us daily, we would have meetings. They would say, oh, well, oh, you don't agree with what Fauci wants to say next? Because I would say, no, it's wrong. Because first, you're undercutting the president. Second, it doesn't align with the president's messaging right now. Third, it doesn't align with the science. Your science is wrong, so you're deceiving and lying to the public. I'd be blunt. They would threaten us. They would threaten my bosses. But we will go to the media and leak that President Trump is muzzling Dr. Fauci. And this was an ongoing problem. So the White House had to deal with threats of leaks of muzzling Fauci and Bill and Day. These inept, corrupted technocrats. So it was a huge, huge problem that we were dealing with. And, and when we had to deal with that, it took one to two weeks just to get everything back on message because all of a sudden, 24-7, breaking news, CNN, White House, uh, White House appointees, Muslim, uh, Fauci, uh, Trump, Trump, what? This guy was running a re-election. So think about it. So, so, so the problem is if this fraud pandemic that they brought was brought outside of the election year, we'd have never had the problem that we had with it. But because it was the election, they knew exactly what they were doing. They brought this. They detected this in February 2020 to damage him. This was an orchestrated takedown of a sitting president. It's almost as though they toppled him. It's a coup. They, 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 they overthrew President Trump because he was hands down going to be reelected. But because mm -hmm. of the lockdowns and the school closures and how it was dealt with by the media and not dealt with, that hurt President Trump in the election. I don't care what anybody tells me about stolen votes. Yeah, 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 that happened. That happens on both sides. I think Republicans steal votes when they could too. Listen, you tell me you're a Republican, that don't mean nothing to me. They're all crooks to me. All, all of them right. are right. crooks. So think about from Trump's point of view. These people are going to savage me in the press. They're telling me that millions are going to die and we need to get this vaccine. Right? So right. what do I do? 
what do I do? Do I tell them get the hell out of my office and no vaccine? I don't go back and spend 15 years. They just came in the office and told me is and they that, oh well, you know, President Trump, you'll get the Nobel Prize because you're gonna stop this COVID in the world and in America, and you're gonna save all these lives. So you need to take this, you need to approve this operation, Bob Speed, blah blah blah. President Trump is a big ego man too. He loves to win. All of a sudden, you present to him that, you know, if you bring this vaccine, you're going to save all these lives, etc. So let's bring the vaccine and you'll be credited. And, and President Trump will say, what? All these people who are going to die on my watch are going to live with this vaccine and you telling me it's safe and effective. That's the key. President Trump was very clear with the FDA and NIH and these people and Pfizer and Moderna and Slowy and all these people. It must be safe. Must be. That is a default basic position. When they told him, yes, of course, Mr. President, it's going to be safe and effective, he assumed, he understood, like how you as a CEO would, you would assume that your board of directors are not lying to you and that they're being honest and truthful. And these are the scientists. These are the experts. So when they say, yes, President Trump, we have that covered, safe and effective. So President Trump made decisions understanding that these people were being honest, legitimate with him. That, they, that in his mind, he could not have gone through, oh, well, these people might kill Americans. It's not going to be safe. Because if that went through his mind, he would have never approved it. He would have never gone along with that program. But but uh, if you yeah, may interrupt, if if because I think most of my audience feels like this is ways what what Trump is by Trump continuing, we can understand how he was under pressure. He was by himself. He was being hit on all sides of vicious media that, that there was nothing he could have done that, that to get good coverage for the media. But after he's out of office, it's obvious now what the, 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 the problems with the vaccine. It's obvious that it wasn't tested enough. And most of us think it was designed to be a bioweapon for the eugenicists yeah. who want to kill a lot of people. But uh, at this point, why is he clinging? I mean, he's he's even he's been booed at his rallies when he talks about it, and he's brought out the head of um, Johnson and Johnson. I mean, these are not good political moves. But at this point, do you think he just can't admit that? Okay, I was wrong to trust these people because don't you think he would get a lot more support if at this point he said, "Hey, you know, this was a mistake," and I he could even say I fought against it or whatever. But at this point, just continue to defend the vaccine when. We, we don't have no any idea how many little kids are have heart disease from it alone, like the, the, all the died suddenly stuff. I mean, why do you think he's so wed to saying, I, you know, this is, I'm claiming credit for this vaccine? Um, what I'm seeing is that, um, what I'm trying to tell you is that uh, I believe he's going to do it. I do. I believe we're going to be, we're going to be in for not a surprise. Because I believe President Trump understands. And um, I believe he's trying to find the right language. And that's the issue. And we have people talking to him. I know, I know President Trump soon is going to come to the uh, table and give the right information and deal with this properly. Because he cannot believe, he cannot know at this point that it's safe and effective. He, he cannot not know. He knows. So it's not. There are serious problems with the shot. And uh, for his own political uh, viability, he's going to have to take a stand on the lockdowns too because the lockdowns hurt. So yeah. um, 
uh, I, I I honestly believe that he's going to that he's going to um come shortly to clean that up. And um, look, he he has to come with a proper the type of um the type of um conversations that he needs to have is that you know he did his best, he did his best, and um, it's not working, and it didn't work. And um, you know he he's very sorry for what happened, and uh, he's going to work the rest of his life to make sure that people are made whole again. This is the kind of conversation he needs to have. Yes. Um, and you can't find the words for him. I can't find. Nobody could. He has to get there on his own. Um, but he's going to have to find those words, something like those words. I'm not speaking for him, but but but. Uh, kind of the empathetic kind of, of statements that people would understand that he gets it and that this didn't work well for many people and it does not work, period. Right? So yeah. that's Well, what, what would you, getting away from Trump for a second, though, what, so explain to us what, uh, uh, where do you see, we, we have no idea, I don't think, because the, the media, the same people that, that covered up the COVID from the beginning and, and, and put out all kinds of misinformation about it, are obviously obfuscating the fact that the vaccine has killed. I don't know how many how many people you think it's killed. We don't know how many injuries it's caused, heart damage, and all these terrible things. Young people. I just read about a seventeen year old cheerleader that had that had a heart attack. I mean, it's incomprehensible. That would have been incomprehensible even five years ago to think something like that could happen. But uh, they don't think like they're ever they're they're ever going to. You know, he said Trump is still claiming credit for it, but the rest of people are so the establishment is so wed to this vaccine. I, I don't think they're ever going to admit they're wrong because then they would have to admit we were right and they've demonized us. What do you think? Uh, ha, what is going to be the final outcome here? How many people do you think this thing will kill? Uh, do we have to worry about uh, shedding? Do, do the unvaccinated have to worry about shedding? What are your thoughts on that? I believe many more people are going to die, like tremendous amounts of people. I believe that uh, many people are vaccine injured silently. They have silent myocarditis, different conditions. Like I believe many people in our police, in our military, the healthiest and the best among us, would uh, suffer negatively in time, sadly. It's what I believe. And um, I think that, uh, that most people who've done it, who've taken the shot, they know something is wrong because they could see people around them have been harmed and uh most people today know someone who's been harmed and who's had who's who's who knows someone who knows someone who died who was shot and we see that a lot of the deaths happen right in about the first couple of days or week who was shot and then we see another blip another increase in deaths about five to six months who was shot so so i believe people understand the challenge right now is that Human beings, again, I, I like to, I'm answering your questions, but I say, look, put yourself in, in the shoe of someone right now. They've taken the shot. They know something is wrong. They don't feel the same anymore. They have had all of these side effects. They're not functioning the same anymore. They're seeing people being harmed and dying around them. And uh, people don't, because for many people, it'd be too much to bear that you could admit to yourself that, look, 
I made a decision that probably gonna cost me my life, or I made a decision that harm my children. It's a very serious issue for many people. And um, they're almost in a kind of a dream state that they don't wanna admit that portion of the population, the situation, but they know something is wrong and they know it's, they've harmed themselves in some manner. I think that um, a lot of this has to do with culpability and liability. And for anyone who's made, whose decisions helped in the bringing of the shots, to now come out and say that these shots were deadly and dangerous, you're gonna have a liability, forget all of the liability protection that um, the PREP Act and the CARES Act afforded them. No, I, I believe they have courts and stuff will entertain these matters and they will win. So, so, so today, and not only that, a particular child, healthy child, died for a particular mother in America. It's the mothers of America going to eventually put their feet down and deal with this. She will pick up her pitchfork and go to Washington. That's the fact. That's Americans. That's America. And that's where we are. And people are being pushed to the point where nobody in the government is taking them seriously with this vaccine situation. The alphabet agencies, the health agencies like CDC and NIH are, are totally corrupt, should be taken down to their studs and fumigated and everybody fired. So, so we have a situation where bad is going to happen, more bad, for some people to say it's enough. And, I mean, you, your show, uh, uh, Sherry, myself, people like us, we've been out there for three years banging away. But at the same time, at the same time, you need the public to also join with us. And the public are there. The public actually are more advanced critical thinkers than to me, the scientists and doctors combined. Yes, absolutely. So huge praise to them. But you need people to stand up. And us, you have so many keyboard warriors that we work with. They love to send emails and be in all of these groups, but they, oh, well, you know, Paul, I can't really go on the screen because I don't want to give my face, blah, blah, blah. So they all want benefits from this, but they don't want to put no skin in the game. And folk like me and you and and, and, and Dr. Tony Penny, et cetera, who's been on the forefront, we've taken all these slings and arrows and we've, and so, we've lost so much. It's because of, um, we've decided that we're going to stand up openly. It's a very difficult. Well, don't, don't you, don't you think that, uh, that people, what happened with January 6th and when we still see the political prisoners in Washington, D.C. two years later, do you think that plays a role that people are, Frankly, they're scared to protest because yes. look what happened the last time they protested. <laughs> yes, in the United States, we rule by a kind of a tacit, veiled power. And people use power over each other and threats of power and um, loss of freedom. And ex exactly, you've, you've, um, you've hit the nail on the head with the J6 thing. I mean, I'm not for somebody who wants people who commit crimes to have no accountability. But from what I understand, the vast majority of those people were not bad people or criminal people were caught up in the moment too. And uh, many of them did nothing wrong. And they're sitting down in a jail languishing and um, suffering. 
Yes. And so, but those people have the power and they use that power. And you see, you hit the nail on the head. And this is where something that I'm seeing it here for those who can hear and I've written it. President Trump, if he gets a nod, look, if Ron DeSantis gets a nod on the Republican side, I am going to drop everything and do everything to help him get, re to get elected. I will help anyone defeat the Democrats because I've realized these Democrats are destroying America. Republicans too. We have Republicans who are working similar. But the Democrat Party, look, they have Democrats, liberals in the past, like the Bob Carries of this world. People that I would look at and say, you know, these they identify as Democrats, they they vote, they, they operate in the Democrat Party, but these people serve in the military, they love America. You can listen to them and understand. We may have differences in ideology, etc., but they have no adverse feeling towards the nation and the constitution and to people. They love people. We have people today who, who hate other human beings. They're doing everything to take lives and destroy lives and they with their pro-abortion madness and their transgender madness. Oh. And the corruptness and stuff. Well, as, as, a, as a doctor, doesn't that, it is, the transgender stuff is so maddening. As a doctor, what doesn't it, how does it, how does any doctor participate in that? Doesn't that violate their Hippocratic, isn't the first line of the doctor is first do no harm? You're mutilating these children. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, the clinicians who stand by this, those who are practicing clinicians, I don't understand how they sleep at night and where they where they get their um, their um, their uh, the thing in them to go along with this and even advocate and conduct it. What I'm trying to say is that speaking uh, speaking specifically now as an academic scientist, I can tell you that looking at the data scientifically. Um, this is a huge problem, this transgender, this genital mutilation. I don't know how else to say it because you are talking about giving kids, young kids, drugs that we don't even understand the serious implications for them and they do have that are damaging and altering for the rest of their lives. Um, they're very dangerous and, ir and irreversible, the effects. You're giving them surgical interventions that are irreversible, gonna damage them for the rest of their life. We have studies right now showing us, we have data where some of these people, young people, kids, they're now committing suicide because they have gone along and it's happening very quickly and, and very quickly. They want to go back the next way to, to how they were before and they can't. And some of them are taking their life. I, I think parents who engage in this are lunatics. They're deranged and dangerous yes. people. Yes. They're terrible, bad people. For taking their kids to all these drag shows and all these oh, fun shows yeah. and stuff. Yeah. What, what good parent in their logical minds would do this madness? Yeah. You know, so you're damaging your kids to expose them to this garbage, this filth. There's nothing other than for me, these people are trans man. For me, this is me speaking, I'm not saying you, is a pervert, is a would-be rapist of women and possibly little children. I don't see it any other way. You're a trans man. I think you're sick in the head. You need some help. You need to step back a little bit. Don't force that crap on society 
I don't need to deal with that, and I don't want to deal with that. Don't come near the children. Do whatever you want to do. Spin on a pole every day if you want. Just don't <laughs> yeah. come near my child. Right. Yeah, it's it's sickening. Absolutely, with it's it's such a. But would you say? I mean, the way I've analyzed this thing is everything that's happening in our society with the the vaccine coming in and killing people. We we have for the first time in American history. I don't know how many states now, three, four, five states have, are recording more deaths than births. Never happened before. And it's happening in other countries, too, around the world where more people are dying and being born. Obviously, this, this is going to reduce the world population. Now, and, and if you if you factor in the transgender stuff, which the, the end result of getting boys to become girls, girls to become boys, is you're not going to reproduce. So isn't this entire thing part of the eugenicist agenda? That to stop reproduction so you can limit the world population? Well, I mean, you know, in the beginning, I used to hear people bring all sorts of stuff to me. But again, I'm speaking as an academic scientist. I like to see data and I like to see facts. And uh, as time has gone on the last years, my thinking has evolved. A lot of those things I would say, oh, my God, that's a, that's a kind of a wacko theory. And that's a, that, please, I don't need to hear all that. But as time has gone by, I've realized that most of those things are true. And we're living in such a bizarre, extreme society that what you think is, is not true actually is true. And human beings, we have human beings among us who will push the envelope. And they're, they're hedonistic. They have no moral compass. They have a line of integrity that could be bought and shifted. So they, they take actions and they engage in things that they only think about themselves, money, materialistic stuff, and not the larger society, and not what's in the best interest for all and for their children. See, that's the key. We have people running around as parents who should not be parents, and I'm making that statement fully as I'm a parent, that the, not because you could biologically make a child, man or woman, you should be even have children and manage their lives, etc. because... The decisions that you make as a parent are so critical. They have so far-reaching and long-term. That is such a critical phase in a child's life and such a huge responsibility that um, <clears throat> parents are making. Our children are in danger and trouble right now because a lot of this, the decisions that these woke, woke, deranged parents take. Now, <clears throat> when we look at the data, Sue, <clears throat> we could see that in a lot of these countries, particularly the highly vaxxed countries, countries that took the highest proportions of vaccinations across their population, this COVID vaccine, this gene injection, they are ex exhibiting the greatest, the highest excess mortality. And um, those with the lowest vaccine uptake have the lowest excess mortality. And we are talking about mortality that cannot be explained by the virus, and um, we could explain a portion due to delayed medical treatment across the last three years, and that now they're so advanced in their illness that, that they're dying, they're mortally wounded. But we can explain the vast majority from how we were treated in the hospital. These hospitals during COVID so mismanaged and badly treated our elderly and vulnerable people with sedation, with midazolam, with remdesivir, with ventilators, yeah. with the ventilator to kill them, that, that they placed our elderly and our poor, poor grandparents and parents in isolation. Isolation is one of the greatest killers of, of elderly, vulnerable people. We suffered and killed our people. 
Most of our people died, our parents, in hospitals and in nursing homes due to being malnourished and dehydrated. They weren't fed properly, etc. So, so everything that we did caused deaths. And now we are facing the vast majority of deaths due to the shot itself, this gene injection. So I do believe, I do believe, you can't tell me, as a scientist I'm speaking here, that this is pure ineptness. It is a gross level of intellectual laziness and academic sloppiness. These people are not contemporary with the science. All of these decision makers and leaders at CDC and NIH and FDA. But I also argue there must be a certain level of malfeasance. I am saying with my own voice here that I believe some of these people are actually malfeasance. They are taking actions and they know that is going to result in the loss of life. And I want to be clear with that. And that is why we need the proper hearings, not the show hearings and kangaroo court yeah. right now up in, in Washington in Congress. That's a joke what they're doing there. They're just parading Democrats and people up in their Fauci and they to try and shame them. And, and it's a show. We wanted hearings. When we gave the Congress back to the Republicans, we wanted to give, we said we're giving you power because we gave you the science for three years. All we want now is prosecution. Now it's still a game. It's just as though the Democrats are running the government. So it's a sham. It's a pure sham. And it's a devastating sham because, again, we the population, we the voting public. I have said, Donald, yes. I have said when the Republicans won the House, I said the worst thing that could happen to America, the worst thing that could happen the conservatives, the Republicans, whatever you want to call them, is to give this house to these Republicans, this set of Republicans. Because what's going to happen? They're going to fool around for two years. They're going to get nothing done. It's just going to be a bunch of talk. You know, they, they, you put them on the screen. They like to pound the, they, they pound the sand. They pound the, um, the tabletop. They, 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 they're good at interviews and working your blood pressure up. Oh, we're going to do this. Give us the power. We're going to do that. And when they give it to them, it's just a bunch of bogus, corrupt garbage as usual. Absolutely. They do nothing, 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 nothing. And I believe that the Republicans, capable now of taking the House, they just did, of losing the House in, in two years, and then people will just balk and say, well, look, we gave you the House again, and you did nothing, zero, zero. We're not even giving you the Senate, and you're certainly not getting the White House. It was better that the Republicans did not win now. Let the Democrats continue doing the crazy things they're doing. As insane as you might say, well, Paul, at least the Republicans will put a stop. Look, they might control some budget. That is bogus. Watch what is going to happen. Biden is going to get all the crazy spending. You know why? Because they all benefit. You need to go back and check their bank accounts, their family bank accounts, their friends' bank accounts. All of those who benefit from bogus contracts. This whole Absolutely. entire thing. Well, I certainly agree with you, Dr. Alexander. I, you, you've, uh, I, I don't know how much. If you can stay a little while, I, my second guest, Charlie Robinson, is here. He may have some questions for you. He hosts another show, Macro Aggressive. Can you, can you stay on for a bit to maybe uh, ask, answer some questions for him? Um, potentially, but is it possible that I could disconnect for like two minutes and then reconnect? Absolutely, sure. Go ahead, do what you need to do. And, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. I need to do a couple of quick items here. 
and uh, and I'll reconnect. So I can okay, reconnect. I'll, I'll I'll remove you from the stream, and when I see you back in, I'll put you back in. Yeah, I'll send okay. you an email. Oh, well, you just just come back in front of the screen, and I'll see you, and I'll put you back in. Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, Charlie. Oh, there's Charlie Robin. Oh. Hey, Charlie. Oh, actually. Hey, Charlie Ryman. Hey, he, he was going on a late first. He told me 45 minutes. So I, he was uh, going on and on. So that's great. Hopefully he'll come back. But Charlie Robinson, everybody, I'm sure everybody here knows him, a host of Macro Aggressions. And I guess he's going to have a, a new show coming up on TNT Radio. And I want to thank him for uh, uh, opening the door for me so that I can get my I protest show on uh, Bandot Video because he's had his show there for a while now. So, Charlie, uh, great to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, band.video has been kind of a nice little surprise there, you know, um, mm -hmm. in a world where we're having to jump from platform to platform, it's nice to have uh, have that as an option, you know, a place where you know it, they're not going to kick you off for wrong think because they're probably yeah. thinking something way worse than you are, you know? Yeah, so. And it's, and it's, it's uh, I think it's, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me it's probably the biggest platform out there as far as when you put a video up to be able to get the most views I, if you put it on bandbot video i think i mean i don't know i don't know if any bigger do you no no not 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 for people not for not for somebody that's not playing on youtube you know and youtube has um has has just kicked everybody off that that we used to listen to and even if yes. they didn't kick you off you couldn't you couldn't uh get any traction they did all the dirty tricks as we as we knew they were, but as was confirmed later through the, the Twitter files talking about the collusion that Google and, and YouTube were involved in as well. So no surprise, but that's sort of, you know, I think Don in the end will probably be better for it that we've had to be self-sufficient and we didn't get complacent and just depend on YouTube as a platform. We've had to sort of hustle and, and be a little bit paranoid. And though it's frustrating for sure, it, it probably in the end, I think we'll, we'll, we'll look back on that and say it made us better <laughs> as uh, as content oh, okay. creators and promoters that we had to uh, constantly juggle and, and, and network as much as we could just to, just to tread water, you know, just to keep our heads above water with these, uh, these technocrats. No. Oh, yeah. And, I, and obviously we, we had to try to support each other. So there's so many, so many people doing uh, well and we have to applaud each other too. And we had a, a situation. I'm sure. Do you know, do you know Gary McBride? I know the name, but I don't yeah. know him. Okay, so you didn't have one, well, but uh, you know, and through people like Lisa Belanger, I don't see any of these people in the chat room today. But Lisa Belanger and the Angry Tiger and Jason and Prisoner Six, uh, they alerted me. I think it was Lisa alerted me to Gary McBride, who was doing great work. Somehow he got a lot of footage from January Six. He'd been analyzing, and he's the first one that exposed Roseanne Boylan, uh, who was beaten to death by a cop. It wasn't just Ashley Babbitt; it was another woman, and nobody talks about that. Yeah. And uh, he had been on my show several times. I wrote an article for about him and interviewed him for American Free Press. And uh, he suddenly showed up on Alex Jones last, uh, last weekend or weekend before, uh, out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, we were all astonished. And uh, but he was supposed to come back Sunday for three hours and he didn't this past Sunday. And I, I have heard no explanation for anybody out there in the, in the chat or uh, in YouTube that knows I've been trying to ask around and he's not answering anybody. So hopefully he's okay. But I, there, there were people that were kind of, well, I don't know. He's on Alex Jones, but I think that's great. If we can get on these big platforms, we need to root each other on yeah, and, uh, and to cheer each other on. So if we can do so, uh, 
there's a lot of infighting in our world. As you know, I talk about that all the time. I'm sure you see yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's, and, and I'm a collaborator, not a competitor. You know, I look at it as like, there's more than enough to go around for us. Let's all work together. The enemy is not our, our selves here in the alternative media. The enemy is the mainstream media and these, these tech, uh, platforms that are censoring us. So I, I feel like when when the when the mainstream people, the general public finally decides and discovers that the that they've had enough of being lied to by the corporate press and they look for some alternative place to get their news and information, we'll be the will, you know, the alternative media will be where they come because we have a pretty yeah. good track record. We don't get everything right, but we no. we certainly are trying. And I think our track record yeah. record is a is a hundred times better than the the mainstream media, and and so we're open for business. And as soon as people are tired of going to CNN, I mean, I don't know how anyone still goes to CNN, but but you know, once they get tired of being lied to, and they're looking for for people that'll at least give it to them straight, even if it's not what they want to hear, then the alternative media is the place place to be. So hopefully, we can grow this entire pie and do it in a way with um you know with respect and with accuracy and quality and looking out for each other so i want us all to succeed and i want uh, and i want the mainstream media to fail and and i want all their viewers <laughs> I yeah, want well all. that's a, well and son of the gunning on here is he says no nah, that's why i ditched jason vermis he he went back to wallow in the mud with the info horse and you know it's, it's look and I, I think i'm the only one uh Troy, I, I when i uh when I was talking about Tucker Carlson, almost everybody in our world was, uh, they did, they just trusted the fact that he's Tucker Carlson. But I said, look, he, it was a good thing that it was millions of people saw this footage of the shaman walking around escorted by police. Yeah. That's a great, th and I said, you know, my son has an expression. I, I quote it all the time where he tells, you guys don't know how to accept a win. That's a win. Accept it, but but for some reason, everybody. Oh, it's Tucker Carlson. I don't I don't trust him. And look, I don't know anything about him. Maybe maybe he's working for the CIA. Maybe Alex Jones is. Maybe they all are. I don't know. Some of them are. I'm sure. But I just treat. I just you know, if if Alex Jones, if their platform is going to give you and me, people like us, uh, a platform, that's a good thing. And I, I agree. We didn't. I don't know. The contract I signed didn't. You know. It basically said share on every free speech platform you can. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't say anything like uh, you know, don't criticize Israel or something. You know, I don't. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do plenty of. I do plenty of that. You know, that'll, yeah. that'll get you kicked off the mainstream media real fast. That'll get you kicked off of a lot of platforms real fast. I look. If Alex Jones invited me on, I would go on. Of even course. if he's a limited hangout. Even if yes. he like you said. Even if yes. he works for CIA. Listen. I want, I'm coming from a good place. I'm doing the best job I can writing books, doing right. podcasts and everything like that. I want to grow my audience. Me I want too. to explain to his audience, hey, I've got some information as well. Come, you know, make room in your media diet for the likes of us. You might like what you see. I'm not as, you know, I'm not going to be screaming and ranting and raving uh, like Alex does. He, but that's his gig. You know, that's not, that's not my gig, but, but uh uh, our our job is to get the information in, in front of as many people as possible. Hell, if Fox News asked me on, I would go on. But I would go on to spread the information and try and draw some of their traffic to me. 
but I would yeah. also berate them on the way out the door too. You know, I mean, I would make <laughs> snide comments <laughs> because yeah. I have to. Yeah, but, well, but again, it's I want those people. Yeah, exactly, and that, and that's what I, I would. Uh, if Rachel Maddow asked me on the show, I'd go. I mean, I, I wouldn't try. I, I I don't turn anybody down. I'm like the girl we all loved in high school. You know, I don't I never <laughs> say no. You know, I, I never turn anybody. The, the only time I ever turned anybody down was uh, uh, this anarchist guy wanted to interview me several years ago, and uh, and that's fine. And, but he wanted me to like to swear an allegiance to anarchy. And I said, mm. well, I, no, I'm not going to do that. But as, as now, oddly, ever since then, I'm becoming more and more of an anarchist because I said, I have no argument. I have no arguments against. It. I still would not swear something to it, but it yeah. has to be something like that. Where you, I mean, it's, I don't know why anybody, because you're, you know, I don't, I'm sure you're the same way. I'm not going to change what I'm saying. If that's Alex Jones, if it's Tucker Carlson, if it's, uh, you know, CNN or something, I'm going to make my argument. You know, and it's, I mean, it's, I'm going to say what I say. I'm not going to cater it to them, but I, I don't know why people, but for some reason that you, you just credited, if you, you know, in, in the eyes of some, well, you know, you went on there. I can't talk to you anymore if you go on Infowars, yeah. you know, and, it, and I think that's silly. I see a message there from Stephanie Green asking about a book giveaway. Yeah. Yes. Stephanie, <laughs> email me, the octopus of global control at protonmail.com. Make sure I know that it is you, that I can find out that it's you so I don't get 18,000 Stephanie Greens. And I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a digital version for free of the book, for sure. Absolutely. I, I am not, I, I want people to read it. Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah, Stephanie's going to great. She's a great supporter and a very interesting person as well, too. Like I had her on the show once, like, because she was, had been a former EMT. And, uh, you know, I like to have people like that on that, uh, you know, that, that see things. You know, as average people, they see things going, I, I guess Dr. Alexander, I guess he's not coming back. I feel bad because I didn't get to say it's drpaulalexander.com is his website, but I didn't get to to thank him. But I I thought he was just going to go away from his computer and come back and I'd put him back in. But he, he looks like he disconnected. So, yeah. uh, well, speaking of you mentioning talking, talking to Stephanie, who is an EMT and has some sort of real world experience. I was mm -hmm. at an Arcapulco last month as a speaker. And then afterwards, we would wind up at Max Egan's bar late at night. And I would, I met a ton of people. I met a guy who is a fireman in San Francisco works downtown. And I said, you got to give me some stories. You got to, you know, I got to hear some of these stories. I mean, and he, you know, I asked him about like, what are you, what are you doing most of the time? Are you, are you called to, you know, are junkies lighting each other on fire? He says, Oh yeah. Like seven times a day we're, we're showing up to car fires. And I go, what do you do? He says, well, we just, we just soak the car with water, put it all out, take our, our, our chainsaws out, cut the car into a couple different small pieces. And then we just leave. I go in, in what? And just leave the car there. He goes, well, that's not our problem at that point. I was like, okay. So he, he said he kind of confirmed all the insanity that was going on there with some funny stories about oh. how he's like, oh, everything that you've heard. It's, you know, I was there just a couple of years ago and I saw it. It was very sad and very depressing to see such a beautiful city turned into a, a toxic waste site. But, but I wanted just another little extra confirmation from somebody on the ground. And he was like, it's everything that you hear or everything that you read. It's all of that. Plus it's even worse. Wow. There's a, there, there's a question on screen from White Wolf. Uh, maybe you can take that, Charlie. Yeah, it is a good question. Somebody please explain to me, for example, why it is taking Russia so long to conquer Ukraine. Yeah, it's almost like an Afghanistan thing, isn't it? It seems like they should be able to defeat them pretty easily. I mean, of course, we're giving them lots of help, but still. 
I don't think Russia was as organized as maybe they, they could have been early on. Um, from what I read or the people that I listened to that are there in in Ukraine, they, they said that um, they were sort of expecting a little bit more organization from, from the Russians. And mm-hmm. it got kind of bad to the point where they didn't have the proper trucks to transport troops. They were using commandeered buses that they had brought from different lines. But I, I apparently it's it's getting better now, better for the Russian side, more organized. But uh, again, I think they probably thought that it was going to be a little bit easier than than advertised. And then NATO gets involved and then they think, OK, well, now we got ourselves a real fight on our hands. But it, it's only a matter of time. It's also really difficult to to get any sort of truth in the in our Western media, we know that it's, it's almost just take whatever they say and, and assume it's the exact opposite. Well, so. what, what did you think about the horrible war crime uh, when Russia shot down one of our uh, sacred drones over the Black Sea? <laughs> I mean, and, and you had you had Lindsey Graham and all these they were going nuts. But, oh, this is this means war. I mean, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Though. I, I, you know. On America Unplugged and on Jeff Rents' show, I, I, it's still like oh, well over a year. Every week we talk about, okay, we're on the brink of World War III. And it, I don't think it's happening because it it hasn't happened yet. And I, I don't know if they just want that threat there. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the threat of World War III is always a great thing for our military information terror complex, which can make a ton of money remove uh, barriers to their financing. They can restrict our movement. It, it works very well. I think that, uh, listen, what we did to Russia in the way of sanctions was a complete and utter disaster for America. It backfired. It, 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 it sort of pushed them into a tighter relationship with China. They start talking about oil with China and China says, you know, speaking of oil, you know, back in the early 70s, when they cut that petrodollar arrangement, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, they were buying two and a half million barrels of oil a day from the Saudis. But they're only buying 400,000 barrels now. You know who's buying two and a half million barrels? We are, the Chinese. Maybe we should do some sort. Maybe we should do the petro yuan arrangement. You know, maybe we should start talking about that. And Russia's going, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe you guys should maybe you guys should start talking to Saudi Arabia. Maybe you should start, ta- you know. Then next thing you know, they're they're talking, they're they're they're, you know, Blinken and Biden are weak. You know, they're they're getting kind of pushed around. They're getting laughed at on the world stage. And and next thing you know, these discussions are happening. Then you've got China involved and brokering Saudi Arabia and Israel relationships and things. You know, it's like every all of a sudden it's like, wait, what's going on? Or or I should say, uh, Iran. Um, You know, the Israelis are starting to get nervous. It's like this is this is the law of unintended consequences. When you when you do something like slap massive sanctions on Russia and get all your corporate whores to play ball with you too and start pulling out like McDonald's and Starbucks and all this stuff and get them to all slit their own throats act against their own best self-interest, act against maximizing shareholder value and decide that you're going to just leave Russia because because Vladimir Putin bad. You're just going to you're just going to give up a brand new rev, you know, in a, a yeah. revenue stream that you had to 150 million people in a, in an economy that bought your products. You're just going to you're going to walk away from that. Well, guess what? 
you know, Russia already had sort of a test run for this in, in, in 2014 when we sort of threatened them with removing them from the SWIFT banking system. And, and next thing you know, they're saying, well, you know, God, you know, maybe we should have a backup plan for this. And China says, well, we're already building a backup plan. You want to work with us on it? And yeah, 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 we do. Actually, yeah, we're <laughs> going to need to know how to move international wire transfers around and outside of the SWIFT system, you know, and then, so here comes the sanctions and here comes, we're removing you from the SWIFT system. And Russia goes, that's fine. And by the way, we're just going to, uh, we're going to peg our ruble to gold. And everyone went, wait, what? Oh no, this is, no, your, your currency is supposed to collapse. And they said, no, our, our currency is going to be fine. So everything that we, we, the West, we NATO have done to Russia in the form of sanctions has come back and backfired on us. And, and I can't say I'm not an enjoying it to, to a certain extent, because I love to watch these globalist monsters out there think that they're smarter than they really are and have these, these, these decisions, you know, oh, we'll show them who's boss. We'll go out there. It's like, Hey America, when was the last time you won a war? Well, and, like, and, 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 and the great thing about it is that, that, uh, is, is we, we're all so critical, obviously of America, but the present day America I mean, let's look again. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know what Putin is where we like everything else, all foreign leaders. He's, you know, we're hearing about him through our intelligence agencies, which we know lie and have their own interests forever. But as far as we know, Putin is talking up like opening up churches and he's talking about how depraved the West is and and they need to return to Christianity. He's banned GMO food, supposedly there. He's put out an arrest warrant for all uh, Rothschilds. I, I don't know if that, he's, he said the government killed JFK I, I, in the speech. I don't know, it sounds pretty good to me, better than our politicians, but what do we have here? If, if Let's say if the Biden administration wants to send our children to fight, what are we fighting for? For for a critical race theory and a transgender story hour? I mean, what, there, there's, there's nothing to fight for here. I mean, and that's got nothing to do, you know, it, that's... It's reality. How would they get anybody to fight for this mess of a country at this point? I don't think they could do it. Uh, first, White Wolf, yes, email me. I'll send you a There book. you go. I was uh, going to say White Wolf wants that, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, you're right. What, what, what would we be fighting for? That is, if our troops are even physically fit to fight, because in the last four years, they've had to lower the uh, the recruiting uh, standards to admit sure. people that don't have high school diplomas, to admit people that have neck and knuckle tattoos, to admit people that are overweight, that have criminal records, that can't do the maximum or the minimum number of pull-ups. They've lowered that requirement. They did away with hell week with the banging of the trash cans at four in the morning on your feet maggots, because so many people were breaking down and needing safe spaces what war are we going to fight in, in a war in West Hollywood? I mean, this is embarrassing because, you know, in, 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 again, listen, I, you know, there's a time and place for this. You know, if you want to do the woke stuff and be, be stunning and brave, that's do whatever you want. I, leave the kids alone. And if you are serious about this, leave the military out of this. Okay. Because this, this is a, I can see Putin just laughing at this, this whole thing, just going, <laughs> yes. please, please come attack us. Please come attack us. We will stomp you while you're, while your troops are putting on makeup in the foxhole, we will burn you with flamethrowers. You know, I mean, this is the sort of thing the Russians, I, I've watched a lot of world war two documentaries in my day, like maybe all of them, the Russians <laughs> were the, were the one force that like 
they were hardcore. You don't mess with them. So, so again, when, when I see Lindsey Graham saying, Oh, world war three, <laughs> let's get it on with world war. It's like, yeah. listen, lady G we're not interested <laughs> in hearing what you have to say about world war three. We know who you are. We know that you're bought and paid for by Israel. We know that the, you're going to go work for Lockheed Martin the day you uh, step out of Congress. I mean, we know all these things. So, so uh, it's, in, it's embarrassing to me that, that these politicians are trying to stoke a war, a world war, with a with Russia or you know Russia and its its allies at a time when we just got out of a 20 year war that we lost to a bunch of <laughs> yak herding sandal wearing farmers <laughs> that we well, left 85 well, what, what, billion dollars worth of equipment for because we were too compromised or too incompetent to figure out how to get it home oh what's the figure we're going to start world war 3 we, we, America, I mean, America has been at war for 90 plus percent of its history. I mean, people have gone and seen it. You have a question on the screen from Chris Buck and uh, ask this guy who he thinks, what he thinks about Cliff High and what Love Cliff, Cliff High. about everything he's going on. I, I, I admittedly, I haven't lis listened to Cliff in, a, in probably the last two months. But before that, I, I watched everything he put out. I think Cliff is very smart. I think Cliff understands it from a... I think the logic he brings into this, he, he sort of talks about his martial arts training and how I think I think people that are very, very well versed in, in martial arts and have been doing that for a long, long time have a very methodical way of thinking, a very logical way of, of putting thoughts together. And I would I would listen to Cliff High read the phone book. You know, he's fascinating to me. I think well, he's for those, a great... for those that don't know what what, what is what is Cliff what is Cliff uh, High saying? I don't know what he's been saying in the last in the last two months, but before that, he was a couple of months ahead of everything that was happening. Watch out for bank runs. Watch out for the dollar. Watch out for you know uh, Ukraine is cooked. Ukraine is is you know this is a, a an information war. You know all the things that we sort of we 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 know and understand. But but he lays it out in a way that's um, it, it just it's hard to it's kind of hard to argue with it, you know, when, when it's, when it's so methodical, he, he was also very involved in putting a lot of the politicians on notice probably about a year ago by mailing them certain letters and making it known that they have like the clock is ticking on them. And, uh, you know, he's, 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 a he, he's a, he's a pain in the ass in a great way. He's, he's the type of guy that, 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 Got sued by the Corey Good crew, the Blue Chicken cult, and Cliff represented himself and knew enough about the law and framed things in a certain way that the judge just went dismissed against you. I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> you you're going to be a pain in my court in my courtroom, and this part against you is dismissed. He's that type of guy. He's a loophole guy. He's a guy that understands things, and he used to be a programmer. Uh, many, many years ago at Microsoft. I've tried to get him on my show multiple times. He always says he's busy. I keep bugging him. He, he likes that I'm persistent, but he still keeps saying no. But I love you anyway, Cliff. Well, that's great. Yeah. And, and, there, and there's so many people doing it. There's, it's, it's just a shame that, that all of these people have, uh, are, are being blocked in some way from, from huge platforms. And they have to come on shows yeah. like ours or, you know, maybe they won't even come on shows like ours if they're big enough, I guess. They're, they're looking for bigger platforms. Yeah. But uh, it's like a, a hierarchy. 
But uh, to, well, tell us what what now. The, you were talking about this. Uh, what's this new show going to be on TNT? How's it going to be different? Or is it, or are you just taking macroaggressions there? Is it something different? No, no, no. I, I I've been doing um, interviews. Hervoy Morichich is a is a guy I know. He's got a show over there. Uh, he he also has a podcast called Geopolitics and Empire. And I've been on his show a couple times and I was chatting with him and he said, Oh, it's my one year anniversary of being at TNT radio dot live. And I really love it. And it's been, it's been great. And I said, Oh, live radio. That's cool. I've, I've you know, I've never really done live radio. And he says, yeah, yeah. He says, they, they keep having you on. They must, they must like you. I said, well, I would be open to, to doing live radio at some point. And, uh, and I made a comment to one of the producers there and it was like, boom, boom, boom. Hey, we, we would love to have you on. And so, that's going to start on April 1st, April Fool's Day. It'll be a Saturday show. It'll be 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on TNTradio.live. And it, it's just, I'll be doing two hours, two different interviews back to back, talking to people about what's going on and uh, and what we can do to keep our head above water and all of this insanity, you know, and we'll do it with a, we'll do it with a laugh too. We'll have some fun. Oh, you sure got to laugh at the craziness out there. And I you know my friend Bruce Torres. I know is over there, and he's Bruce he's, is over there. Yep, he's he's been very helpful to me over the years. He's he's great. And uh, Jacob says, uh, "What's up, Jacob?" I yeah, Jacob. I have heard I, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Glad to see you're still around. You're not you're not a victim of the vaccine or COVID or something. Uh, John Blasclon says, "You're one cat I would not lose faith if you went into Alex." Says, "Well, thank you." May have differences over the veracity of Tucker's news. Found sincerity of the truth, but you're a true author. Well, thank you, John. You know, I, I was watching. I don't know if you saw. Um, it's amazing the audience that are out there, these huge podcasts that I know nothing about and have like millions of subscribers. Is one that was, oh, I've already forgotten what the name of it is. New, ah, what the hell is the name of it? True. Uh, but anyhow, this has had nine, has two young guys, thousands of subscribers. I've never heard of it. I've already forgotten the name. But Tucker Carlson, that, that's how powerful they are. They got him on. He wow. was in, He was interviewed and I was just impressed by again. Maybe I'm easily fooled. I don't know, but I was impressed by he was he was saying how wrong he'd been on so many things, and he said, you know, you know, the, the dumbest thing was supporting the Iraq War. That was really stupid of me, and he said, you know, I, I was into calling people names and calling the conspiracy theorists. And stuff. So I think at this point he he might be open to like 9-11 and stuff where he was very dismissive of it before yep. so i you know I, I give people the benefit of the doubt you know maybe people say oh they wouldn't let him be doing it yeah i understand that but you saw what happened they didn't let him show the rest of the january 6 footage so they still have limits on him but i i you know i just i don't know what are your thoughts on that well red pill being getting red pilled is a process it doesn't happen overnight and you don't understand it all at once and it takes a little bit and especially if you're someone like tucker i remember tucker when he was the bow tie guy on msnbc yes, and i thought yes. oh god i don't want yeah. you yes. know i don't even i just look at him he looks like like if you looked up white devil in the dictionary no, it would be tucker like carlson never, with, a, with a bow tie on right he looked like he's playing polo and he's he's never done a day's work in his life right. that's, that's the, the look he has you know the orville <laughs> redenbacher look wasn't yeah. really working for me but yeah. then you know then now he now he goes on fox and he's got a different spiel and I, i'm no fan of fox news but again I don't expect these guys to be a hundred percent on board oh. with, with, with everything. Yep. And I'll take what I can get. If I can get Tucker to see 80% of what's going on, that's a win considering where he was before. <laughs> so again, like your, like your son mentioned, you know, take the wins when you can. I don't, no. it, I, it, that doesn't mean that I fully trust the guy. I do. 
I do recognize that Operation Mockingbird is a thing. I do know that Fox yeah. News is controlled to a, to a very large extent, and there's some things they're not allowed to talk about. And and and, and I guarantee you, if 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 Tucker Carlson did an episode on Sandy Hook tonight, mm-hmm. he'd be mm-hmm. off the air tomorrow. You know what yeah, I mean? He just absolutely. would be gone. So absolutely. so so again, I I'm going to allow these guys, these guys that actually and honestly are starting to figure this out. I'm going to allow them a little bit of flexibility because they, they know that the, the job that they have, you can only go so far before you're done. So would you like 80% of the truth or 0% of the truth? Because if he takes, if he goes past that line, he's gone, then you've got nobody there. So again, I don't, I'm not saying uh, ideally I'd like a hundred percent honesty. Clearly, but and, and, and I understand this, yeah, I, this dilemma that they're in. It's and, like, yeah, I'll give you as much as I can give you, but there's some things I can't say without, you know, the producer in my ear. Actually, I'll tell you what I had a, I was in London and I was, uh, uh, talking to a guy named Ross Ashcroft, who's a director of a movie called four horsemen. And he's the host of a show on RT called renegade Inc. And we were in his studio and filming and it was a great show and we got done and we talked about some controversial things and we were done filming, but we were just sitting on the set talking. And he said to me, um, uh, he said, you know, I used to work at the BBC a long time ago. He said, but they're so unbelievably corrupt that I had to leave. He said, but if, if we, he goes, just so you know, if we had been having this conversation while I was at the BBC, if this had been a BBC show, he said, the minute you got onto this topic, I forget what it was. It had to have been 9-11 or something. He said, the minute we got on that topic, I would have had a producer in my earpiece telling me, get off that, get off that, get off that. And if I yeah. didn't get you off of that topic, by the time we got done with the interview, my phone would be ringing and it'd be the producer saying, go upstairs. We need to talk. And he said, I'd walk into a room and there'd be the three producers and a chair and me getting interrogated saying, why didn't you get him off of that topic? He, so he said, yeah. that's, that's the reality of, yeah. of those news channels is that those guys will get fired if they, if yeah. they talk about that stuff. So it's like, it's either you get him off of that topic or you're both out of here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, so. and if you're especially your position is something like Tucker Carlson, I don't know how many millions he makes a year, but that's, it's pretty difficult to walk away from that. Um, and this is what this is what we mean. White Wolf, a uh, perfect example. Of what I'm talking about Cliff High is a CIA mole, in my humble opinion. There are holes in his thinking. You could drive a DS D5 doser through, and that's what we're talking about. I mean, there. I don't know anybody. <clears throat> you know, I really don't know anything about Cliff High, but uh, I I don't know anybody in the alternative world who that that kind of thing hasn't been said about. That has any platform at all. If they have any prominence at all. There are lots of people yeah. out there. He's a limited hangout. He's false opposition. And sometimes they are, but like you said, 80%. And that's why I, you know, I was arguing uh, so, so many people about Tucker Carlson. I said, look, you know, why are you coming so much after Tucker Carlson? I mean, yeah, whatever he is, he's the best to have on TV. There's nobody, there's nobody else that's, that's saying right. any of this stuff that, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I still hold out hopes that I'll be able to get on a show. I think it can happen. I mean, there's a, there's a very, there's very few. I mean, my main publisher on Skyhorse, Tony Lance, he's on there all the time. He's a bunny. He's always saying, "Hey, you you got a lot of guts for publishing books. No one else will." So, I may sure maybe he's he's not he's not going full way. But who else? And that people are saying, "Well, when they 
how come they sent this these footage to Tucker Carlson? I said, who else would they have sent it to? Who else do you think would show it? I mean, he's Sean Hannity <laughs> wears a CIA lapel pad <laughs> yes, logo on yes, his jacket. Does. Yes, so does. you can't send it to him, of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't. So, yeah, you, you, if you want to get the word out there, you, um, you you send it to somebody like Tucker who you have a chance, right? You yeah. have a, there, it, There's a possibility they might get that out. Nobody else again, would be interested, you know? If if it, again, if you've got information on Building Seven and you want to get it to the mainstream media, and I had to and I had to choose who I would send it to, I would send it to Tucker. Is yeah. that because I trust Tucker one hundred percent? Nope. It's because right. out of all of the people there, well, he's the most so. likely to maybe take <laughs> a look it at. To, it. And to, that's to, all to, you could to Morning Joe, Don Lemon. You're not gonna. Uh, and White Wolf uh, is saying back in two, th- now, uh, White Wolf. Now you're in my territory. YouTube was populated by shills like SGT report. I was on SGG Report many, many times. And that guy had almost a million followers. And I know, he, I hope he still doesn't believe in Q. I don't know. But um, some of these people were wed to that. But that's his audience. He, you know, he privately told me that, you know, he, he you know, this was a long time ago that he was, you know, he realized this Q thing was ridiculous, but he had almost a million subscribers. And this is what they believed. When I went on the show, I, you know, if I said anything critical of Trump, which I always do, they would jump on the hundreds or thousands of comments that they were in videos. So um, the problem is they when they got rid of SGT report and uh, some of the others, uh, that was the biggest one that I read pill 78 is another one where uh, they had huge audiences on YouTube. And that's after they got rid of Alex Jones, they got rid of those. Yeah. You don't agree with all of these people. I don't, but uh they're they're doing better work than you get into the mainstream media. William, William Hale, good to see you. From Sydney, Australia, steam cleaning his floors as he listens. So what 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 do you think? What's on your mind at this point, uh, Charlie? What do you think of the big stories right now? What are you covering on macroaggressions? Well, I've been all over um, everything that I write about in my books is about world government. And then as a subset of that, you start to find that when you're talking about world government, you also wind up talking about eugenics, depopulation. And, and after what we've gone through with COVID and people have questions about what is it, what was it, was, you know, is, was it the, 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 was it there just to justify pushing people into the shots, which are the real danger? You know, it's like, so questions about that. So I've been, you know, and it's a dark topic, of course, but I've been all over the, the depopulation component. And I've lately I've been recording, uh, I do two episodes a week. One's an interview, one's a monologue. And in the monologues, I kind of pick a topic that I'm into and I, and I just do sort of a deep dive on, uh, onto that. And so I've been winding up in things like Cecil Rhodes and the road, you know, the sure, round table. And, yeah. yeah. And, and the Royal Institute for international affairs, Chatham house. And these, these, and so these are some episodes that are coming out. I've been, you know, focused on, on, on transhumanism, which is a, is the new rebranding of eugenics, you know? And so, so any, any, all these things, they all sort of, um, they all sort of, uh, you know, if it's a Venn diagram, man, they sort they sort of overlap in, in this area of like world government and depopulation and medical, the World Health Organization's medical police state that they're trying to put together, you know, so. Exactly. Well, and, and son of the gun, he's talking about Jerome Corsi. And of course, he, again, Corsi liked me. Corsi was on my show a couple of times, I think. And he wrote a nice blurb for... I think hidden history and survival of riches, both very nice man. 
And again, I don't, I don't have to agree with him. I know what his background is, yeah. but he was like Roger Stone, whose my name is tied to because he wrote the forward to hidden history. And I, you know, and they asked him to do it. And he, again, he was very nice to me, said some good things. I, I'm aware of all the stuff out there. All I can yeah. do is say he treated me fine. Of course, he seems like a really nice guy who was uh, like Stone was, I mean, they were, as he talked about on my show, you know, they were, they were going back years trying to find emails and trying to incriminate him. And that's, they were just trying to get him. And I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I, you, you have to be against that. So I, I understand uh, probably a lot of the people that have supported me, <laughs> you guys don't trust, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm aware I appreciate that- the paranoia of the, of the, of the audience though. <laughs> I appreciate that. They're like, oh, we're going to look into everybody. Everybody's suspect. I get it. I mean, yeah. the, the last thing you want to do is allow a wolf in sheep's clothing. Speaking of wolf in sheep's clothing, I just did a, I just recorded an episode about the Fabian Society. So I've kind of got this this wolf in sheep's clothing. That's their their uh, coat of arms is a is a picture of a wolf in sheep's clothing, which is kind of perfect. But you you always are you're, you know you're searching for the best information. You're trying to invite guests on your show. You dig yeah. into their past to the extent that you can, and you you want to make sure you're you're not bringing somebody on who's who's going to do something. I I had I'll tell you what I got here's a guy that kind of was like a, a hand grenade that somebody rolled into my bunker and I didn't realize it until after it had gone off was um, Bishop Larry Gators. You familiar with Bishop Larry Gators? No, he's a Canadian. He's a Canadian bishop, and um, he he you know he's got this worldwide ministry, and when I hear frankly to be honest when i hear that i think joel osteen i think preflo <laughs> right. dollar i think right. all these guys that are like yeah, grifters right. Right? right but bishop larry gators was always really cool to me had me on his show i had him on my show it was great and great one day i'm going someone sent me over the world economic forum young global leader spreadsheet of all of the members and i'm going through it i'm like let me see if anybody just jumps out and i go uh oh uh oh Larry Gators is on the list. Shit. Wow. I think I, I you know, I, and then, I, and then I go, well, wait a second. That explains, he, he went through a stage where he just, he blocked everybody on Twitter. He blocked me on Twitter. I'm like, hmm. I didn't know we were fighting. I thought we were cool. You know, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, I'm blocked. Everybody's blocked. I'm like, he blocked everybody. And then, and then I saw that and I go, oh, I, now I think I know. So sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes yeah. you, 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 you don't know what you don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and we're in a, a process of learning whether that's the information that's out there or whether it's the people that are delivering the information. And, and again, it's a wonder we get anything right, considering we're no. going up against the most powerful and, yes. and, and well-trained disinformation agencies. And in we the have world. no weapons. We don't have any weapons. We can't subpoena or anything. We just have to kind of go with our own self and witness. William Hale says Tucker calling out building seven was jaw dropping. Uh, I didn't, Tucker, I didn't know he did. Good. I, I, if he did that, that's fantastic. When I, you know, I watch his show. I mean, I, I didn't know unless you're being sarcastic, maybe, I don't know, but um it's i don't watch his show all, all that much but but i mean I, I catch clips from time to time but if he called it out great so jacob said his dad was see i don't i keep hearing Probably. that i don't know if his dad was see i know his dad run but again you know this is uh, look at uh there's so many people what was the guy's name um uh, that wrote uh the, the the book about mary uh myers uh jfk's alleged mistress and killed he, his dad was the cia um and uh, of course, Chris Milligan of Trying Day, his father was saying, "There's lot, there's lots of CIA things around here." It, he already has admitted 9/11 is totally sus. Oh, okay, he has. So yeah. has, I, I haven't. Well, that's good because he's 
and again, so I, I don't know what the thing is. I mean, to me, it looks like he's had an epiphany. I, I you know, we yeah. talk about uh, uh, people, especially people that are Christians. And most of my audience, I think, are Christians. And I think this is a spiritual battle. And I, I don't make no secret of my uh, religious faith. But so I tell them, look, look, what is the, what is what do you learn in the New Testament? You learn that one of the one of the real evil, crappy, you know, crappy guys of his day, Saul, of Sarsis, he became St. Paul. He was converted on the road to Damascus. Talk about an epiphany. So, I mean, that's there's a lesson there that somebody theoretically could be, you know, a murderer or whatever, and he could be converted. So is it possible that, that somebody like Tucker Carlson could go from a privileged upbringing, wearing a bow tie, conservative Republican? I, I liken it to what we saw with Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan went from a Nixon supporter, and he really became a populist, uh, those people moved him when he went up to New Hampshire and saw the people that had lost their jobs at trade deals and outsourcing and everything. He had, I know people that know Pat Buchanan in real life. I've never been able to get a hold of him. I'd love to interview him. I, 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 but he, uh, he goes to a church, an old Catholic church in Washington, D.C. People that know him there talk about how nice he and his wife are. So I think, you know, these, just because they're prominent, it's not impossible for somebody to, uh, you know, to, to succeed without maybe necessarily having sold their soul, but I could be wrong, you know, because obviously a lot of them do sold their soul. So I, yeah. at this point, at this point, I don't think that it's been proven that, that Tucker Carlson is beyond. And I just look at his, I agree with most of what he's talking about on there. I'm saying, well, this is because nobody else is doing it. And so I don't know, but that's my, we, we come to this information on our own schedule. If we, if we get to it at all, you know, the, the, the awakening process is, is a long one. And sometimes there's, there are, there are inconvenient truths that you're just not ready to handle. And, and, you know, for wh whatever reason, maybe, maybe it took him a little longer than normal for nine 11. Maybe he just didn't want to believe that he was wrong because he was so vocal about how we've got to get involved in these wars. And, and, and I guess credit where credit is due. If you're willing to stand up and admit, boy, I really had this wrong a couple years ago. I was, I was, I was going down the wrong path. Now, some people might say, Oh, well, you're just, trying to play both sides of the fence and yeah. maybe they are, but, yeah. but there is, there is something to be said. I had nine 11 wrong when it happened, right? When it, I didn't figure it out on the morning of September 11th, mm -hmm. 2001, it took me a couple, it took me two years to figure that out. And it was only because they started trying to tie it to the uh, Iraq war, you know, said the justification for the Iraq war. And I went, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. If you're trying to tie this to that's phony, maybe nine 11 is nine 11 phony too. And then you start to find these, these movies that come out and you, and you, and you see it and you go, Oh, loose change. This is great. And then someone goes, Oh, loose change is disinformation. Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but it was part, it was a component of my awakening. So yeah. it worked for me, whether sure. every single, you know, whether we, we, we take every single point in the movie and say, true, true, false, false, true, false, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, but again, it got me thinking. And sometimes you just need a kick in the butt to get you thinking. And maybe, you know, over maybe, maybe COVID was the thing that got Tucker thinking about 9-11, you know, because you go, this is a major, a major sort of event, an invisible enemy. It's around every corner. It's coming to get us unless we give up more of our, our security and, and, and give more to the medical industrial complex, farm, you know, the military mm -hmm. industrial complex, whatever right. for these invisible enemies, COVID, you know, was fake. If this is fake, what else is fake? And then he goes and looks at 9-11 and he goes, oh, this is this got a lot of the same people, a lot of the same media involved, a lot of the same talking points, a lot of the same fervor, a lot of the, you know, and you go, hang on a sec. So again, 
if he's having an epiphany, good. I'll take it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to hold these guys to a purity test, especially somebody like him that's had to work, that's been working in the mainstream media. I mean, I have no respect for those people to begin with. The fact that I even think anything other than he's a scumbag is amazing to me. So <laughs> he must be yeah. doing something right. But I'm not, yeah. again, I'm not saying that I sign off on everything he says or believe, every, you know, or, but, but he's got to walk that line too. He wants well, to get, if he wants to get right. that information out, he can't just come right out and do what we do and just say, let me tell you how it really is. Boom, right, boom, right. boom. You know, exactly. Because he, he lost almost all the sponsors after he said, there's no such thing as white supremacy. So he's, and you saw what happened to Sean Hannity, Mr. CIA lapel pin. I don't know what struck Hannity, what got up his ass a few years ago, but he actually had a shocking show where he, he did, he devoted a show to pretty good investigation of the death of Seth Rich. He had a private eye on there and stuff. And they, oh. they brought up a lot of the points and, I mean, the world came down on him. He he almost lost his show just for one show. The fam Seth Rich's family threatened to sue him, which again ought to oh. tell you how powerful these things are. The families don't want to know what's going on. He lost some sponsors, and of course, he he, he reverted right back to he he, he started putting that CIA lapel pin even more mm -hmm. prominently after that. But uh, it just shows you that anybody you know, and and if he had have done that, would they, let's say said it opened the door and somehow they could have. Uh, Reveal the truth about Seth Rich. Well, does that that doesn't counter all his horrible reporting, but it would have been no. one really good thing he was responsible for. So I think no. take 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 this. Well, you, you you did you did a pretty good job on this one particular thing. Can we talk about your previous history of whitewashing Iraqi war? You know, war crimes in Iraq, and talking about how great Dick Cheney is and all that stuff. You know, you you don't get to be absolved for your sins for, for, for one Seth rich thing. But again, if, if it, if the guy does a good job on it, then credit where credit is due on that one particular thing. Absolutely. But the mainstream media, they've just lost, they've lost their credibility. They've lost their, um, right. their, what perceived moral superiority that they, they thought they had. And it's been, it's been, it's been fun to watch. I'll be honest. It's been a lot, a lot of fun to watch CNN, you know, CNN, was so desperate for viewers that they did a, a deal with airports around the country yeah. <laughs> where they, 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 they signed up airports like the Miami international airport. I think they were paying them $375,000 a year to have mm -hmm. CNN on all the TVs and the terminals, but they were so desperate for, for, for viewers yeah. that they were counting everybody that came through the Miami airport as a and viewer. Yeah, and that's incredible. And, and I, I, Jennifer uh, says that Ali Akbar, Alex Jones, and Arnold Schwarzenegger st uh, started Stop the Steal back in 2020. You know, again, he's part of the whole train. I'm the one that came up with the Trump Sign Project. Look, I, I, I'm saying I think there was massive. I think what happens is when I know David Knight uh, talks about this a lot. I don't know how many of these people. Owen Schroyer is a good friend with uh, Tony. He seems like a nice guy. So I, I don't know how many of these people are involved in any kind of a, a, a grift. Uh, Trump certainly looked to be, but I don't know anything about Ali Akbar. But certainly I think there, there was obviously electoral fraud. And then we have uh, Son of a Gunny, who I, he said, go ahead, Don, show my comment about Steve Pachanik and Jerome Corsi. I, I, did, I didn't see your comment about that. Certainly Pachanik has showed himself to be uh, – you know, ridiculous with his watermark stuff. And, and I used to lie. I thought he was a fascinating guest. Corsi, I don't know. Was Corsi involved in that? Corsi's disappeared. I tried to get Corsi back on the show a while back and he said he's not doing any more interviews. So I think yeah, he's- Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
really i don't know i don't know those guys i don't know i just i just know that um steve pachinik was that wedge that was driven between david knight and alex jones that yep. was the yep. ultimate yep. yep reason for david leaving and and if 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 david knight says that guy's no good i trust david knight yeah, exactly. I mean, and certainly Pachanik. I mean, just this—the idea when he came and he fed that disinfo it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the idea that Homeland Security was had watermarked the ballots and and Homeland Security repudiated it instantly repudiated that the fact that there were any there was any electoral fraud. So, but they were running an undercover sting about it. Come on, uh, yeah. it's and somebody else said here. I want to get this. A lot of comments here. Somebody was talking. Oh, here it is. SCD report, a lot of good people. Well, I was on there many times. That is what caused the confusion. They lump in good and honest people at the shows. Well, you know, that's because maybe they don't, maybe they don't know. Again, maybe we can't keep the shows straight and they're having people yeah. on that they think are saying something. I just prefer, I know that we know from Cass Sunstein, we know Cass Sunstein wanted during the Obama years, he talked about, and you, you see this just on the JFK assassination forums, how many, how many trolls. I mean, yeah, I, I th I can sit there and think, okay, some of these probably are hired. You know, maybe they're hired to play a role, but I can't prove that. There's also people that just like to troll. That there are people that just like to troll. One of these, one of them is that guy Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy. He just, oh, yeah. he, likes, he just likes to troll. And there's there's yeah. people that like to do that. So maybe they don't have to be uh, um, paid. But I think I I just like to prefer to keep to. Accept everybody at face value. I know I'm going to be wrong. And just, this is what he is. This is what he's saying. Is he, does he mean it? I mean, you, I remember when Oliver Stone made JFK and the JFK assassination world. Most of those critics, a lot of them had trouble with it. You know, this is what they had waited for, but they had trouble because one of his producers was a guy named Arnold, Arnold Milshon, I think, or no, what was his name? Mm -hmm. Arnold, Arnold Milshon. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And he was Israeli. Uh, Mossad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it is kind of an odd person to have as your producer, but the film pretty much covered all the bases. Yeah, it didn't point the finger at Israel, but you know, most of these critics don't do that. But so, I, I don't know. I just think that uh, it is what is people. The, Oliver Stone to me has done a lot of. He's done a lot better work than anybody else out in Hollywood. But people would say he's a shill and all that. So, I, so I, as I a, on, on that topic, then let's 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 bring this up because. His 10-part series, The Untold History of the United States, I yes. think is fantastic. When yeah. you get to the end of that, one of the people that he he holds in very high regard is Mikhail Gorbachev. Now, I didn't know anything about Mikhail Gorbachev except that he was the Russian premier and he was or Soviet You know, he was the guy when I was growing up in the 80s. He was he was the bad guy who never really seemed all that bad or villainous to me, but I didn't really know enough about it. Yeah. And and Oliver Stone says really nice things. As I start to get into my depopulation research, what I find is that Mikhail Gorbachev is all over that stuff. Yeah. He's he knee is. deep in it. He's knee deep yeah. in the climate change stuff. And yeah. I go, okay, so so again, does that make Oliver Stone a shill? Or could he just be wrong? Could he just have that opinion because he doesn't know the things that I'm reading about depopulation? Or or maybe he met him and he's and the guy's just amazing in person and he's got this really warm feeling. And he's just not aware of what, you know, that the, the, he's part of this depopulation agenda as well. Or he knows fully that he's part of that and yeah. is covering it up too. So 
you know, it puts us in a weird spot where we're supposed to like read somebody's mind and know their thoughts well, and know what they think. It's impossible to do. It's, it's, you know? This is the kind of thinking that the the left, the, the left that I first entered as a teenager, you know, the, the, the left was way different than to be a liberal is completely different. Classical liberal. Uh, we decried that kind of thinking that you saw, you know, basically uh, you're. You're a fellow traveler. You have a friend that's a communist and, and then you're a pinko or what all these associations. Well, you know that guy or you're friends with the guy that knows that guy. It's guilt by association. And, yeah. and they're doing it now. They do it with the conspiracy theorists all the time. And we do it to our own. Yeah. Saying, oh, you know, oh, you were on SGT report. You were on this. That. You know, this it's it's ridiculous. It is, they don't have a, what agendas do any of these shows have? For the most part, they just, maybe they have a little different perspective. If they believe Q, it's ridiculous. But maybe some of them, on, I mean, you know, when I interviewed Ashley Babbitt's mother on my show, yeah, wonderful woman. And uh, obviously she lost her daughter, you feel for her. And she's, she's, you know, going outside the prison every night and singing the Star Spangled Banner with the other mothers. I mean, it's incredible. She's, she's left her life behind and she's now saying in DC all the time, to go to these people's trials, even though she lost her daughter, she still loves Trump. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Dr. Paul Alexander, obviously there's so many people that do, I, I don't understand it, but I'm not going to argue with her and say, you know, you're ridiculous to be doing that. I mean, people look at things differently. They do. And you and I, you and I both are authors. We write books. Yeah. We it's, it takes, I, I don't, if, People, if I had known how much time and effort goes into writing my first book, I would have never written it. <laughs> you know, it's just a real process. And when you invest that much time and energy, you want as many people to read it as possible. You want to get that out to the audience. You want to sell it. You need to make money doing it too. So it's also in our vested interest to get on a platform that allows you to get in front of new people that you wouldn't normally reach. So, so sometimes people criticize you. Oh, you went on that show. That's terrible. How dare you go on that show? It's like, <laughs> I sell books as well. And I want people, and I think even if that guy's bad and his audience is dumb, I want them to buy my book so they won't be dumb anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's a, yeah. th there's a, a logic to that as well. And it's like, right. we, we, cause, cause if, again, Nobody's going to promote us. Nobody's going to help no. us. We are, are the promotion department of our books. We're right. not relying on publishers to do that. You, you and I've talked about this. I mean, you don't get, you don't get help from your publisher the way people think you get help no. from your publisher. Your publisher no. doesn't spend money to, to, mm. to, to promote your book. And if they do, they take all that money back before you see any money yourself, you know? So, so again, we are, it's, it's up to us to, to get in front of it, the audiences. And sometimes you have to talk to people that you might not be a hundred percent ideologically aligned with, but again, that doesn't make you a shill or a sellout or anything like that. I remember hearing this quote about Metallica. They were calling Metallica a bunch of sellouts and Jason Newstead, the bass player said, that's right. We sell out every single ticket, every single night for every single show. You know? Yeah. William Hale says he's he's known about it since uh, 2004. He saw the photos of the Pentagon. Well, certainly, yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I was I was dubious yeah. <laughs> the first day. I don't, they don't fool me very. Same thing with COVID. But um, yeah, but most of these people say it was BS there. And what I mean, if Tucker again, if it's if he really is, and we'll see if he ever says that. That that will take some courage because uh, nobody. There's never ever. Uh, on network television, the JFK assassination, once in a while, they would allow a critic on. Very, very, very minimal, though. The lone assassin thesis was pressed, but 9-11, there's never been a sniff of 9-11 uh, of, uh, truth allowed. So if Tucker came on and did that, 
If Tucker came on and did that, and then you got on an airplane the following day, and Tucker Carlson was on your airplane, oh. you, you might want to get re-ticketed re to a different flight. If you, I'm just saying, things blow up. Hey, same thing with like Tulsi Gabbard. Again, I don't, I don't necessarily trust Tulsi. I was at one of her uh, uh, rallies, and I, I enter, you know, I, I asked her a question, and um, uh, God, I keep forgetting the guy's name. Uh, Morley Jefferson Morley used for the Washington Post. He made it go viral, you know, because he he uh, he showed it and. Uh, I just asked her about it. She was reading JFK and then speak, which she was. And she, I got her to admit that she thought there was a conspiracy, but you know, she seemed nice. I, I don't know if I fully trust her. I, I know she was in the CIA. I know she's been, I think she's had her picture taken with Klaus Schwab or something, but she's she a said, young global leader. On yeah. That. She's, she's on that database list. Yeah, too, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she, when she talks, she talks, she always talks for peace most of the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm for peace, you know, and that's, I think that's, you know, I'm anti war. That's my thing. The people, what are you? I'm anti-war. I don't want wars. I, just, I don't want that for any of these teams. So I'm not on the Russia side. I'm not on the Ukraine side. I'm on the side of let's, let's all go home to our kids and our families and do the things that are most important and not fight each other over, you know, because some banker wants to make more money and stuff it in the Cayman Islands. We do. Well, we certainly all do love David Knight. Yeah, know, we John do. Waller says. Um, trying to see what it gets. Gets some nice. Uh, lots of comments, and I'm trying to keep up with you guys. And I'm I'm not son of the gunny. I didn't uh, purposely not put you. Why would I? I'm not covering up for Steve. Going. I'm not, not covering up for Steve Pachanek. I didn't see it. But uh, Jerome Corsi, I told you, I like the guy. I, he was nice to me. That's all I'm yep. saying. I I don't know anything else. And you know, maybe he's in his. But I think if you look at all these people's backgrounds, so. So what's uh, what's coming up for you? When when's macroaggressions coming back, and what, who's going to be your next guest on there? I've got um, Dennis O'Connor coming on on Sunday. He's a gentleman I met at Anarcapulco in Acapulco, Mexico. He's a uh, health practitioner. He's an Irishman who lives in Australia, and he's got a a, a health clinic there. And he and I spoke multiple times during the week in Anarcapulco. He was so fascinating, had so many great tips for me. I just said, we've got to talk. Like when I get home, we've got to have you on. So so he's coming on. I, I interviewed a, a, a director named Simon Essler, who's putting out a documentary called Cut. This is about the transitioning movement that's happening mm -hmm. primarily to young girls, 11 to 14 years old. He is fantastic. I would in, encourage people to take a look at that. You can search Simon Essler. He's a Canadian filmmaker. The, the uh, daughtersofthewestfilm.com is his website, and you can watch the trailer on it. We had a great conversation. I have an 11-year-old daughter, so I, it's real to me, this idea of you know, the peer pressure and the, the you know, this, this, this move to chemically sterilize people and transition them over and get them on puberty blockers and hormone therapy. And it's, yeah, that's very it's diabolical. And, and, and so, uh, so I, I would encourage people if they want macroaggressions is an audio podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, do what you can. We love it. Yeah, Thank great. you so it, much it, for having me on, Don. I appreciate no, it. No problem. Tony, if you're out there, you want to come on for the last minute or so? Tony usually jumps in. There he is. There's Tony. I'm, I'm always watching in the background, Don, especially <laughs> with Charlie <Rogers>. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, great I show. Want to say, I know you want to say <laughs> hi to Charlie. <laughs> I, 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 I'm merely in, in avatar form now, Charlie, as you look above yourself. I know. I, 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 thought, I, thought, I, I thought I felt a presence in the room. <laughs> it's good to see you, sir. 
Well, to, 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 to Dr. Dr. Paul Alexander, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess he couldn't figure out how to come back. He, he stayed longer than he said he was going to stay anyhow. So I'll email him or whatever, but hopefully people get drpaulalexander.com. Charlie, give out your, uh, give out your links or whatever. And, uh, sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at macroaggression. You can go to the website, the octopus of You can, my books are available in paperback form in on Amazon. Just search Charlie Robinson, The Octopus of Global Control, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire with Jeff Berwick, and the latest one, Hypocrisy. And uh, you can, uh, I don't know. And then I've got the new radio show that'll be coming out. Tony, I, I didn't tell you. I'll have to talk to you off air about it. Yeah, absolutely. Love to hear Very cool. That. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Pat's cat uh, says, Happy St. Patrick's. Absolutely. I'm wearing green. Wear green so you don't get pinched. And uh, have a great time. Drink green beer. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I protest. Thanks so much, Charlie, for being with us. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dr. Paul Alexander. Thanks, everybody. Take care. See you next week on I Protest.